My name is Shannon Beer. I am a nutrition coach and educator interested in the consilience of knowledge across disciplines, including science, psychology, philosophy, art and literature. The goal of this podcast is to bridge those disciplines and explore different perspectives in order to gain a greater understanding of myself, others and the world around us. Enjoy the show. Today I am talking to Ashley Kibuva about some weight neutral approaches and how we can implement that in practice. So Ashley is a registered dietitian who is working in Kenya and has found that in her practice, focusing on health um, and wellness through the implementation of weight neutral approaches has been very beneficial for her clients. And as we sort of move away from focusing on fat loss and focusing on macros, I know that a lot of coaches struggle with how to implement a weight neutral approach in practice. You know, if we're not monitoring fat loss, how do we measure progress? What does this approach look like? So I thought it could be really helpful to have a conversation with Ashley about her work. So firstly, Ashley, would you just like to tell us a little bit about your work and how you ended up in Kenya doing what you do? Yes, absolutely. Thank you so much for having me and, you know, for having this conversation, because I think that it's so, so important. Um, And again, I think clients are very successful when we take this approach, but I know we'll get into that. So I'll talk a bit about me first. So I'm an American from the US, um, now living in Kenya. So I'll talk a bit about that journey. Um, But um, first of all, starting with my education. So um, as a registered dietitian, I had to do um, a four-year bachelor's program specific to nutrition and dietetics. And with that, it's very, very science-based. So, I mean, anatomy and physiology, all the biologies, all the chemistries, even organic chemistry, biochemistry. Oh my gosh. I say that because so many people don't realize, you know, what dietitians do in terms of school and what their background is. Um, And that's really then what allows us to truly understand how the body works and how to feel it appropriately so somebody can get to a greater state of wellness and help achieve those wellness goals, you know, whatever they may be. So, you know, one thing, if you were to know one thing about Ashley Kibuda, it's that everything is going to be science-based because really it has to be rooted in science. You know, that's my duty as a practitioner as well. And I owe that to my clients. Um, And so I just, I like to share that, but um, anyway, so I did the four-year degree and then I had to do um, a year-long internship where it was basically like your practicum, like your clinicals of what it's like to be a dietitian in all the different settings. So all the clinical settings, inpatient, outpatient, also community, public health, federally funded programs. I mean, the whole gamut over a year. Um, And then what's a bit unique to register dietitians is that then after getting all those qualifications, I was able to then sit for the national exam in the United States to then become a registered dietitian, um, to then get that credential as an RD, to be recognized as an expert in the field. Um, And so that was really, really important to me because again, I really want to adhere to that science. Um, And so, yeah, so that's, that's what I did. And then um, I went um, right into, right into 
to practice. I was very excited to get to work and be done with school, um, you know, but I was very set on not being in clinical. Um, I really wanted to be in the community and that's where I felt I could really make a bigger impact and work with people that wanted to get well and that also had the ability and that um, power yet. You know, sometimes when people are sick in the hospital, you know, they're sort of forced into these things or somebody is doing these things for them and they really don't have options because they're so sick. And so of course we need dietitians in those settings and I'm so happy for my colleagues to be in those settings, but it wasn't for me because I really wanted to inspire and empower people to recognize the control um, and the ability that they had to positively impact their life for a higher quality of life, you know, in terms of health and wellness and, and just overall living. Um, and so I worked in a supermarket actually, uh, which was so, so cool, I have to say, because I really had the best um, classroom, if you will, to work with my clients. Um, because, you know, I could show them, hey, when we're looking for more nutritious foods, what are we looking for? You know, what does it mean to eat healthy? How do I feel my body best so I can feel my best and I can function at my best? You know, um, and so that was really exciting. So I was able to start that program um, and I worked there for about eight years. Um, and then I moved to Kenya. So I've been in Kenya almost two years. Sounds super random, um, but actually my husband is a Kenyan. So we met at university in Minnesota in the US and um, we knew we always wanted to live in Kenya and we're like, hey, now's the time. Let's take the leap. We we had experience in our careers and I was ready to start my own practice and, you know, felt that there'd be a cool and unique opportunity in Kenya. Um, and then, of course, the quality of life here and, and and really as a dietitian, just the ability of fresh food all year round um, and the ability for organic and local um, and really connecting with the people who grow your food. That was so intriguing to me. Um, and then, you know, it's, it's to me, you know, in the U.S. and in, and in the developed world, it's um, fresh food and healthy food is expensive, you know, and here in Kenya, it's actually cheap. So you're like forced, you know, to eat healthy, which I love. So um, yeah, so that's, that's where, how I ended up in Kenya. I love that you want to focus on empowering people to kind of take control because I know that when you're you know feeling unhealthy and and feeling sort of controlled by food that can feel like you there isn't there aren't many options for you so I think it's it's a difficult kind of line to to walk you know where we're trying to empower people without making them feel ashamed for where they are but helping people to recognize that there you know there is a choice here and there is some control um and also Kenya sounds like a pretty cool place to live I'm someone who's sort of moved around a fair bit but I haven't made it to, to Kenya so far but I think um some of that local produce would be yeah it would be a really nice place to, for me to to come and visit so maybe yeah, <laughs> I have to plan a trip to to Kenya <laughs> They say Karibu Kenya, it means welcome to Kenya. Um, yes, well, if you come to Africa, like you must, must come to Kenya. Um, they call it the expat trap. So, you know, people come here for work and then like they have this term and they never end up leaving. Um, so yes, and I would love to go to Bali as well. That's definitely on my bucket list. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> yes, but, but getting back to what you said, you know, um, it's, it's very important to me to empower my clients. You know, I always say that if I'm doing my job as a dietitian, they shouldn't need me forever. They shouldn't have to rely on me because I should be empowering them with the information and the tools so they have the know-how and then teach them how to listen to their body so that they are taking care of their body, how their body wants them to so they can feel their best and you know it's really um that is what allows them to to take you know the information i'm sharing with them and really make it sustainable you know for a lifelong journey it's not this quick fix it's not this two-week program it's not okay you achieved x now you're done and graduated no it's it's really about this journey of health and wellness and there's always a greater level to be achieved you know and everybody has those individual goals of what that means to them Yes, absolutely. So what does health and wellness mean to you? Oh, gosh, <laughs> uh, it's a broad topic. Um, I think, you know, as I said, it means different things to to everybody. And, you know, health and wellness to me, you know, really taking it from a broader perspective is is seriously in a, in a very genuine state of feeling well and what that means to you and being happy and have, you know, have this great quality of life and be able to do what you want to do without ailments, without struggle. Um, you know, that, that to me is the ultimate state of health and wellness and really living in this place of guilt-free, you know, coming from the West and, and diet culture and good foods, bad foods and and, you know, of course, being a dietitian in that world every day, you know, that it causes, I mean, severe mental stress, right? And, and the shame and, and all this stuff. And so, you know, really getting away from that and really having that food freedom, um, you know, can help progress somebody to feel this genuine sense of, you know, happiness and well-being, just this holistic um, kind of overall feeling. I, I don't know if that makes any sense. Um, it, it's just hard to explain, but, you know, it's, it's, it's really a feeling. That's how I would explain it. And just this, this, you know, great energy levels and the ability to do what you want to do every day without restrictions. Mm, mm, absolutely. And I think you're right. Like health is dynamic and it is kind of abstract to, to try and put it into words, but it really is that feeling of being able to do the things that you want to do in your life, you know, without being held back in ways that are kind of unnecessary in terms of absolutely health and, and food and restrictions so you mentioned um diet culture and I guess there are some sort of obstacles that your clients may face in regards to being open to taking more of a weight neutral sort of approach so when someone comes to work with you what are they typically struggling with I would say the number one is weight management um, you know, so I mentioned I'm in Kenya, we have access to all this healthy, fresh food, but there's also this unique, unique scenario here where I, I mentioned, you know, processed food is expensive, right? Um, but so now because processed food is expensive, sort of been used as the status symbol. So if you can afford, you know, processed foods, that means you're rich, you're well off, you're not starving, you know, so they've, they've totally taken it to this other extreme. And so, you know, we still do have obesity is a very serious problem here. And I'd be very curious, you know, on what the most recent stats are and, and, and genuine studies on, you know, what is the obesity epidemic like here? Because 
because it really is becoming an issue because of that. Um, so I would say definitely weight management is, is probably the number one reason people come to me. And then of course, that's coinciding with chronic disease or the risk for chronic disease, you know, diabetes, heart disease, and then all of those risk factors, you know, blood sugar control, cholesterol levels, blood pressure, um, all those sorts of things. That's really interesting that, you know, it's seen as a status symbol. I'd say that's almost, or for, to do, use the UK and maybe other uh, Western countries as an example, um, obesity is also associated with food poverty. So it's really yes. interesting how it's the complete opposite, um, you know, there in Kenya. Yeah. And I think that yeah. really relates to a lot of um, issues that people struggle with regarding their health and their image and what that means and then what they do to pursue these like status symbols and how that's different across different cultures. So how, if someone has, you know, come to your clinic and, and wants to work with you to improve their health or to lose weight, what are the sort of first steps that you go through? Yeah. So first of all, I want to learn about them and I want to know what is your why? Why are you losing weight? Why do you want to? Because I want to know, is it coming from a genuine place or are you doing this to please other people? You know, is it, is it to improve your health and wellness? And so I think that that's very important to understand this client and where they're at. The other thing that I asked them too is, you know, how do you want to go about losing weight? What do you think is an appropriate way for you? Um, you know, and then that's where I can kind of come in there and, and help educate them. But I've been so lucky that many of them are so sick of diet culture and they're so sick of this poor negative relationship with food and saying, I can have this and I can't have this and this is good and this is bad, you know? And so they're open to like, they're telling me, I want a sustainable meal plan. I want to be healthy like, yes, this is what I've been waiting for. Um, and so that's, that's sort of our first conversation. Um, and then we sort of get into that, you know, um, okay, what does it mean to have a healthy relationship with food? You know, um, you know, what foods do you enjoy? What is your eating experience like? You know, do you enjoy cooking? Um, you know, so I really try to explore that with them as well to help them find the joy in eating healthy and in eating better, because I really, believe in having this pleasurable experience with food because it's it's seriously one of the greatest pleasures in the world and if we don't enjoy our food it's not going to be sustainable and our food has so much power you know physically emotionally mentally etc um, so I also look into that with them and explore that with them um, and then the other thing is, of course, measures of success, right? So how are we going to know that we are on the right path to achieving your goals? And so, of course, they're like, I'm going to weigh myself. The next time I see you, I'm going to be three kgs down and, you know, X, Y, Z. And I'm like, okay, I understand this is our ultimate goal, but how are we going to get there? You know, so is it, I'm going to be eating more, I'm going to be including more vegetables, I'm going to be learning mindful and intuitive eating, you know, things like that. But it's also, you know, me um, kind of opening their mind to other measures of success. You know, it's not just weight, because as we know, somebody can be 50 kgs or 45 kgs or whatever, and they could be in worse health than somebody who is 100 kgs, you know? And so really getting them to look at a broader scope of what it means to be well. Um, and so this is where I talk about the non-scale victories. You know, and sometimes those are what we benefit more from, you know? So how is your sleep? How is your energy level? 
you know, what is your ability to go hiking with your family on a random Sunday without getting tired? You know, um, how is your blood pressure? You know, um, because we know that's not good. And then that means you're stressed. You know, how, how do you, do you feel stressed? You know, what is your work-life balance? Like, what is your balance in general? Um, how are your relationships? You know, all of these things are non-scale victories. And when they dig a bit deeper, these are the things that they're most excited to share with me. You know, and through through, you know, my follow up appointments and things like that, I will literally have people tell me I haven't taken the scale. I'm not sure I weighed it. You know what? Here's what I'm feeling. Here's the benefits I'm getting. I have so much energy, Ashley. I go to bed. I hit the pillow and I'm out, you know, um, and, and things like that. The other thing that I like to talk about them with, because I do have to respect that, you know what? There is an obesity epidemic. You know, if you want to lose weight, I do have to support that, but I can ensure that we're doing it in a healthy body positive way, right? So that's kind of where this balance comes in. And so then I say, how are your clothes fitting? How are you personally feeling about your body image? You know, and many times it's, it's not just because of the weight loss, but it's because of, of how we're feeding our mind, you know, both with the food and also what we're reading, what we're hearing, what we're being told by a practitioner that also allows them to have a more positive um, body image, which is, which is so huge because there's so much stress around that, you know, definitely for women, but I'm also seeing it for men as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I think that it's very common for, for clients to think I'll be happy with myself when I've achieved this weight loss goal. And I think it's very important to promote the message that you don't have to wait until you've achieved a goal before you can start yeah. feeling good about yourself. And actually, yeah. one, the goal doesn't guarantee that that change in attitude towards yourself. And two, you can begin to accept yourself for where you are and you will likely have more success because you're less likely to end up self-sabotaging. So I think incorporating some of that body image work is super crucial. You mentioned some non-scale victories, which I think are great. How do you help clients to focus on those when they're getting hung up on a slow rate of progress in their eyes? You know, Maybe they have unrealistic expectations of how fast they can lose the weight or the weight loss is still a large focus for them how do you help them to shift from only focusing on say scale weight or changes in their body composition to help them incorporate you know acknowledging these non-scale victories I think the biggest thing is in that first session to explaining to them how I'm different how, you know, I'm not going to focus just on weight, um, kind of as I had explained previously, and then helping them come up with what are some non-scale victories that you want to focus on and really celebrating those. Um, and it really comes with, you know, this, this, um, progress towards that, right? Like they're not just going to be happy and say, yes, Ashley, absolutely. I totally agree with you. You know, it sounds great to them, but it can actually be hard in reality. And it really just, that's why those follow-ups are so important to just kind of reset them, just re-empower them and say, yes, you are on the right journey. And then also level setting expectations and saying, you know what? Y yes, I understand you want to lose weight, but weight loss is going to be a side effect of all these other positive changes that you're making.
So um, it's not our number one focus, but if we're doing all the things right and listening to our body, your body is going to go to where it is happy and your body's happy weight may not be what you want it to be. You know, your um, body's happy weight may not be what Cosmopolitan tells you to be, you know, but it's going to be where your body's happiest. And that's where the true health and wellness comes in. And that should be our number one goal, you know? So it's, it's really helping them to understand that and coach them through that, you know, um, on why that's so important and then getting them to recognize, you know, body composition, right? So if they're, if they're exercising, they're going to gain muscle. So you're having this change and muscle weighs more than fat. So again, that's why I don't like to use the scale because if you're exercising and gaining muscle, of course, you're going to gain weight or you're not going to lose weight at the rate that you had hoped, or that's even maybe quote unquote healthy, you know, because your body composition is changing. And that's way more important than any weight. That's how you reduce your risk for chronic disease and allow your body to be more, you know, mobile and, and do the things that you want to do. Um, so it's really kind of just being walking alongside them with this journey, continuing to encourage them because remember they've had years and years and years of diet culture and everything they see on social media, you know? And so it's really about shifting. Where are you getting? getting this information from like you need to change who you're following on Instagram you need to change who you're associating with you need to change your mindset and it is a conscious effort and it is a hard effort but you know what um you know helping them to see why that's so important you know um helps them along that journey and and say you're gonna plateau there's going to be weeks that you don't lose weight. I'm not expecting that. But again, that's not our number one measure. Here are these other things that also show that we are being really successful. Um, and then just, you know, really appreciating their body for what it can do. Um, you know, and it, it's not just meant to, to, to like look a certain way. Um, and so again, I, I, I kind of go back to just, it, it's really this journey of really changing your mindset. And it's really hard to do. Um, it's very hard to do, but, but again, when they come with me, they come and work with me, you know, I'm also not their typical dietitian. That's going to say, count your calories, you know, weigh yourself every morning and the say, you know, at 8am when you're naked at right up as you get out of bed, you know, so they've already kind of acknowledged that, okay, this one's different. I'm going to try this. And the other thing that I think is encouraging is that they've tried those other things before mm -hmm. and they haven't worked. And so that's why they're coming to me. And that's why they're also, you know, um, more open-minded to this. Um, the other thing I'll say is there's this really unique opportunity that I've found with parents, you know, because they've recognized their struggle in diet culture. They've recognized how horrible and the damage that it's done to them, that they are so they are, they are just so um, inspired to be a good example to their children. And many times I like to, to help them really, you know, play off of that as well, that this is a great example for your children. Um, and I talk about myself, you know, I have a daughter, I don't want her to grow up in diet culture. I don't want her to have body shame because she's a different size than the rest of her friends, you know? And so I think that also really um, gets them in a different mindset as well. But as you can see, it's a variety. It's, it's very multifaceted and, and what works for somebody isn't going to work for everybody, you know? So it's a very individualized approach and really just getting to know your client and what works for them and, and what education they need around that to help them to understand.
Mm. I'm also very fortunate in that nowadays the type of client that I attract recognizes that these approaches haven't worked for them in the past and potentially they do need to focus on changing their mindset and their attitudes towards themselves working on their body image alongside you know focusing on the nutrition changes have you ever experience clients who are kind of adverse to that idea because as you say some of these notions are so deeply ingrained and have been their way of thinking for years and years that it can be difficult to shift to this new perspective of focusing on health um, over a body composition or at least not prioritizing the body composition so have you come across any sort of objections um, or barriers to that It's a really good question. Um, There have been a few. I would say I've been so lucky that it's not the majority. Um, And, and you know, they come in with one mindset, right? They're like, I'm going to get this dietitian. She's going to tell me exactly how to eat. And I'm going to follow this. And I'm so focused. And, And I really like in my initial, like one of my first sentences I say is I am not like other practitioners. Here's how I work. Here's how we measure success. Because as much as, you know, I really want to find a good fit of a client for me, right? You know, everybody has who is their ideal practitioner, but we also have to find the clients that work with us as well. You know, we have to be a good fit. And so I think that that's, that's number one, really important, you know, and I don't want to turn people away um, by any means, but I also, you know, they have to believe in the cause, right? And so um, having that initial conversation with them and then saying, you know what, look what you've done in the past, you know, just getting them to to really view their life and say, okay, what have you done? Okay. So many of them say, I've done carb-free, I've done keto, I've done paleo, I've done, I mean, I don't even know all the diets, to be honest. (laughs) So, um, and I said, okay, great. And, And how did you feel on that? You know, I had headaches, I had no energy, I wasn't sleeping, I was stressed, the amount of money I spent on food wasn't sustainable, you know, I prepared a separate meal for myself and my family and then my husband and then, you know, and I'm just like, and, and how was that? Did, did you enjoy that? No. I said, okay, so please let's try something new. Let's, let's focus on this. How, how does this sound with what I'm telling you, you know? And they're like, wow, it sounds incredible, but I just can't believe I'm going to lose weight on this. And I said, you know what? It's sort of this thing where you just have to take this risk, right? You just have to believe and just like through your personality and the way that you're talking to your client, just really building up that rapport. So they trust you and um, just saying, you know, I I'm here to walk this journey with you. It's not going to be easy. I'm here as a resource, you know, um, you're not going to lose weight every week, but you're going to get all these other benefits, you know, um, in terms of, you know, everybody's going to have a birthday party. Why should you feel guilty? Because you're going out to dinner and having a cake. Like that is not a healthy relationship with food, you know? So just really explaining to them how, large and impactful this switch is in their quality of life. And, you know, after I talk about that, they're just like, wow, that, that makes so much sense. I I want that, you know, you can just see them just so excited for that um, because they've been honestly suffering so long um, that they're ready to take that risk. Um, and then you can kind of just see their changes, you know, they come back after, you know, two weeks or a month and they're just like, Ashley, 
I did this. I, I went on this vacation for a week. You know, I, I, I had so much fun and, and I ate out with my friends and I'm okay. I didn't even gain weight, you know, because they're, they're still kind of about measuring that a bit in their head. But again, it's a slow, progressive thing, but you can just see how happy they are. And, and then they're thanking me, right? Um, so I, I think it's really just about explaining to them um, the other benefits that they're going to get. And, and, and again, going back to really that mind shift um, change, you know, I, I think is huge. Um, and just explaining to them, you know, in the past, what you were doing clearly didn't work, right? Or you wouldn't be here today, you know, and, and you would be maintaining your weight. You wouldn't have gained 50 kgs after being off this diet, you know, and explaining to them that you're on this. This is not something that you're just going to be on for two weeks. It's truly this lifelong journey. And that's why all foods fit. You know, um, I hope that answers your question, but that's really how I do it with my clients. Yeah, absolutely. So you're showing that, you know, you have a role to play in this as well by highlighting what a client has said to you about what hasn't worked for them in the past, asking those evocative questions to kind of get them to consider what it is that they've tried and what they might like to do next. And you also sort of alluded to, you know, thinking about these changes as somewhat of an experiment. It's like, why don't we just try this? All of these things in yeah. the past didn't work for you. So how about we give something else a go? You know, if that doesn't work, not a problem. We can try something else. And I think when yeah. people get into that experimental sort of mindset, there's less pressure, less judgment involved with that, and usually better success as well. You mentioned the importance of having that strong alliance. And a couple of times you've used terms such as like coming alongside, working with a client, and it's very clear that you take a client-centered approach. So what does that look like in practice? You know, how do you build that alliance with the person that you're working with? Yeah, um, so that's a really good question. So I, I, I tell them, you know, I'm here to walk this journey with you. So I'm being very um, expressive in the, in the words that I'm using. And then again, my ability to build rapport with my clients and, and being very genuine because I'm also very passionate about this. So I feel like that comes across to them. But then I also make myself very available to them. You know, I'm all about this individualized approach. So it's working with them on their individual meal plan. You know, when you're at the supermarket, text me, call me send me a photo, you know, of what you're looking and, you know, is this what I meant by, by the product they should get, or, you know, they have a question or they're struggling, they can WhatsApp me. People in Kenya love WhatsApp, you know, and so just being available for them, you know, um, I think is really huge. And the other thing too, that I like to share is I'm active on social media. And so I like to show them what living this life is like, you know, from a dietitian, right? So they expect me to be so perfect and whatever perfect means to them. I think it means eating kale every day, all day. And I just don't do that. And so I take my role as a registered dietitian, you know, clearly they know I'm educated in this and I show them I'm also living out the way you guys are living out. So they can follow my journey on Instagram. And that can also sort of be that additional support. You know, I'm showing them hey, today, this is how I'm moving my body, you know? And then it's like, um, I went out to eat today with my friends. Yep, had pizza, had a few drinks and enjoying life, you know? So they can really see that, um, you know? So there's, there's a variety of platforms that, that they can kind of follow along with me where I'm there, where they can view what I'm doing, but then also there as an individual person for them. So I always make myself available to them, you know, phone call, WhatsApp message, and then check-ins. 
Mm, I think it's so important that they can see that, you know, what a healthy lifestyle actually looks like in practice. And there's something that I actually don't do much of, and I have considered before, like with social media, because I, I just feel like I don't want to there's like pros and cons right this could be really good for yeah. your clients but then also personally I don't want to be on my phone all the time or taking my phone out yes. when I'm socializing or taking photos of everything that I eat or, or filming my training you know there's like that yeah. it's kind of what do you do with that you know what's beneficial and, and what's not and how often and you know all these all of the sort of questions involved with that. So that's definitely something that I've thought about a lot. You know, is it worth showing a bit more of my life on Instagram versus mm-hmm. one of the costs of that? Um, but I do think yeah. that I've definitely noticed when I do share a bit more about my personal life that it has been really helpful for clients to be able to see that because I think having that strong sense of this is what I'm working towards can serve yeah. as like a strong motivation and a bit of hope as well, particularly for people yeah. who may have struggled a lot and think that, you know, I'm never going to be able to achieve this result. If they can see it yeah. in practice, I think that can be yeah. really inspiring for people. Yes. And I think you bring up a really good point too. And I'm also, I've thought about it so much too, because I don't want to be this dietitian that's showing every single thing I eat because then they think, oh, she's the dietitian. I eat exactly what she eats. And so I, I don't do the whole, this is what I eat in a day. I've been asked to do that. I don't. So I just show random snippets. Um, of what I do or what I eat, because I want them to know that it's a very personal journey. And just because I'm doing this and this works for me, doesn't mean it's going to work for you. You know, so I absolutely hear you on that. Um, So I try to be very aware of that as well. Um, So I think that's an excellent point that you bring up. Mm -hmm. It's definitely something to think about. And I think um, helping people to recognize, you know, you don't have to, to follow these rules and figuring out what works for you is part of the process. You mentioned Absolutely. earlier about helping people listen to their bodies. What does that mean? Yes. Yeah. So, you know, there's so many ways, um, gosh, it's a complex question. You know, there's so many different ways about going about that, but you know, what diet culture has done has stopped our intrinsic ability, you know, at the very basic of knowing when we're hungry and when we're full. Like we've literally suppressed that so much because of diet culture and and good food, bad food. And so I help clients really say, hmm, is this, do I want to eat this? Do I not? Does this sound good? Does it not? You know, am I hungry? What does true hunger feel like? Am I satisfied? Am I full? Am I too full? You know, and so I give them this hunger scale so it can help guide them. You know, it's like one through 10 and, and where should I be on the scale between a four and six where I'm satisfied? You know, we never want to be full. And so that really helps them be mindful before they eat, while they're eating, and then after they eat so they can sort of learn how to listen to their body. And then also, how did that food make me feel after I ate it? Was I bloated? Did I have gas? Did I feel happy? Did I feel sad? You know, what also emotions are tied to that as well? Um, so there's a lot of a lot of that sort of stuff um, kind of that I go through with them. Um, and, and just, you know, 
being mindful in that moment, you know, and, and turning off distractions is also going to allow that to be easier for you to listen to your body. And, you know, some of it may sound crazy, you know, cause you can get, get really philosophical with this, but really just taking it one step at a time, because that's really how we're going to know how to fuel our body as an individual, because what I feel with that food is going to be different than what you feel. And what I feel with that portion of food is going to be different than how satisfied you feel, you know? Um, and so really taking some of those, those steps, um, can, can really help somebody listen to their body or learn what am I looking for? How do I do that? Um, you know, how did it make me feel the rest of the day? You know, when I ate this way, did I sleep better? How were my energy levels? Um, you know, so kind of just thinking about, again, this holistic perspective on health and wellness and quality of life and relating that back to what you ate in a day, you know, before that meal, during that meal, after that meal. And then again, at the end of the day, um, also how were my bowel movements? You know, that goes back to digestion. How, how did that fuel my body? You know, do I need to switch something up based on that? Did that not settle well, you know, with, with my digestion? Um, and so asking ourselves some of those questions. Mm, I find that in practice, a lot of clients have ignored their hunger signals for so long because they're trying to restrict in order to lose weight that they have a very hard time distinguishing between like different degrees of hunger. All they know yes. is what it feels like to be starving and what it feels like to be stuffed because that's the extreme that they're used to living in. So I find that the hunger scale, breaking it down like that can serve as some useful guidelines to, to work by, but also ensure just reassuring someone that you know it's okay that you don't you can't distinguish you know between a, a three and between a six you know what does that really look like for you that's a skill that you'll learn over time yes. I think incorporating that with some reassurance that actually you may have to eat when you're not hungry in order to re-establish that connection with those hunger cues and that's okay um, some mm -hmm. common objections that some clients may have or have had in the past would be something like, you know, if I just listen to my body, all I'm going to do is eat a bunch of junk food and gain weight and I'll become obese. You know, how do you deal with objections like that? I hear that all the time. And I see that all the time. And it's like, you know what, when you listen, like, literally, I, I tell them literally try this. Okay. You know, because that's, I think going to be the best teacher to instill that confidence when you literally listen to your body, your body does not want chocolate all day long, 24 seven, you are going to feel sick. Okay. You do. That is not good. You may think it's fabulous. So go out and try it. One day is not going to kill you, but I promise you, you're going to be craving some real actual food for a meal, you know? And so, um, I think that, you know, um, I really just explain that because that's what everyone says. They, they, they just don't believe it, but it's like, no, you actually can do that. And if you actually listen to your body, you are not going to feel satisfied on eating cake all day, you know? Um, so yeah, I say, go out and try it. If that's what you think your body wants, it's not, um, you know, um, yeah, I think they just have to learn along the way that it's really not going to be about that. And it's a lot of these questions and fears that they have because they've been so restrictive that they only know restriction and binge, restriction and binge. They don't know how this, how it feels to have full, free, guilt-free access 24-7, you know, um, and what that looks like in a balanced day. And so, um, again, I think what it all comes down to is them just putting that in practice.
really, you know, um, and so they're able to see that because it, it's, I can explain all day, right? I can explain all day. I can show somebody studies, uh, but until they actually try it, you know, then that's, what's really going to teach them and get them to believe in the cause. Yeah. And I do think experience is one of the best teachers more so than just providing information. And um, we've spoken a lot about um, weight loss and, and working with clients with obesity, but I wonder whether you have worked with individuals who have been trying to maintain a low body weight and restricting themselves in order to sustain that it has become unsustainable. And now they're searching for a more intuitive approach but during that sort of exploration phase of trying the foods that they've restricted themselves for so long, um, sometimes weight gain will occur. And actually, that's the healthiest thing for that individual. So have you ever worked with, with clients who have um, decided to let go of the, the diet culture and the restriction and actually gained weight and health as a result? And if so, how do you help them with the navigating the weight gain process mm -hmm. okay sorry I think my internet connection was bad there so I didn't get the whole question but I think what you're asking is have I worked with people that um, have gained weight because they were so restrictive and then how did they mentally deal with that is yeah, that correct absolutely okay Perfect. Yes. So I have not a ton, um, but I have, um, in fact, uh, university age women, I, I recall one specifically. And, you know, what was unique about her situation is that she had recognized she wasn't healthy, that this weight was not okay for her and how she was eating was not okay because she had lost her period, you know, and now she was starting to think about the future. And, you know, I do want to have kids someday. How is this going to impact me? So she as an individual had already recognized that and she she knew she wasn't fueling her body appropriately and so we had talked about you know um what does it mean to fuel my body appropriately what does a meal look like in order to be properly balanced you know to get all the nutrition and then understanding what that nutrition does for my hormones what that nutrition does for my body and then again, level setting expectations and saying, you know, you've been a chronic dieter, you've been underfeeding your body for so long that you've actually reduced your metabolic rate. You've actually increased your leptin, which has now caused your body to store fat, you know, the next time you eat because your body is in this starvation mode and you've literally reduced your thyroid function as a result, just with all the hormones that are going on. And of course I can get more into the science behind that, but that's generally how I state it. So I said, we are going to need to expect some weight gain here, right? But also weight gain should be our goal because clearly the weight that you're at, your body doesn't like, your body is not functioning. Your body is not doing normal things that it should be doing. Like women need to get their period, right? Most of us, at least, I'm sure there's a few cases where there's an exception, but in general, women should be getting a regular period. And so, you know, we need to gain that. And then explaining too that as women, we need a higher body fat percentage in order for those hormones to work appropriately. So when we look at this, weight gain should actually be one of our goals, you know, and then um, explaining, you know, what really helped this client was her understanding, you know, the need to gain weight, 
what it means to eat, what, what a plate should look like, or what a balanced meal should look like. Because again, we couldn't trust her body at this point because she had suppressed it for so long. Eventually we'll get there, but that she could still do some light exercise. You know, that was really important for her mental well-being because she had also had anxiety. And I said, that's absolutely fine. You know, and so her knowing that this is a journey I'm going to be on. My body is going to change and level setting those expectations really helped her. Of course, she struggled. Of course, she's like, Ashley, you know, I've realized my clothes aren't fitting like, like they should, like they used to. And I'm like, you know what? But we, we expected this, right? This means you're eating healthy. This means you're feeding your body. This means your hormones are working. So again, reiterating to her that this is, what we want to happen so you can be in a better state of health and wellness with that goal of getting your period back. Um, I think what also really helped her, um, she also got diagnosed with osteopenia at, at age 20 um, because of how much damage she had caused um, from under eating. So I think that reality check really helped her to understand, you know, I, I really need to go for this. Um, she also had a lot of support, you know, so my support, the, the support from her GP, she was also working with a therapist and also her parents were very supportive. So I think that support is also very key, you know, because when we surround ourselves with people that are praising us for being so skinny and who cares about your period, you know, you're 20, that's only furthering the problem. So again, I go back to who are you surrounding yourself with and how are they helping you to truly care for your body, you know, as best as you should. So that was also very important for her as well. Um, and, you know, over time, you know, eventually with time, I mean, time heals all and it's just getting into this practice and it's just this journey and just one day at a time. And we can't expect somebody just to switch on a dime. Say, I get it. I'm, I'm going to accept, I'm going to gain 10 kgs. You know, it's, it's really this slow change, but also, you know, the way that you gain weight, it's not like you're just going to gain 10 kg overnight. It's also going to be a slow progression as well. Um, and so I think, you know, you're able to have those opportunities to coach along the way too. Yeah. Yeah. So you've kind of, what we can draw from that are a few really key sort of points there. One, the importance of reframing what it means to be successful. Actually, weight gain in this context is probably a great thing. It's probably what you need the most. And then expecting struggle as well. It's going to be a difficult process. It's going to be challenging. It's going to be slower than what you may think. That could be something that's hard to deal with. We should anticipate that. And then also the importance of having a strong reason why, you know, thinking about your future and your health, because I find that it's very easy for um, people to minimize the, the struggles that they're facing. Oh, I'm just a little bit tired or, um, you know, yeah. I, yeah, I've skipped, you know, I've missed my period a couple of times, but I don't really like having my period anyway. It's very easy to downplay some of like the serious consequences. So I think having that strong reminder of actually, no, this is why it's serious and this is how your life will improve as a result of what we're doing give someone the strength to continue on despite the challenges and then lastly as well the importance of having a supportive environment around not the types yes. of people who may um, kind of congratulate some of the harmful behaviors but actually the type of people who are going to support um, what's truly best for the individual's health I think that's really important um, 
I've been really enjoying this this conversation so far. I did want to ask a couple of questions based on um, the information that you sent over. So you said a couple of things that you're interested in, one of them being reading books of empowerment. Now, I'm a huge reader, so I would love to hear um, some some book recommendations or what you're currently reading, anything that you think we would be interested in. Yes. Oh my gosh. I love it. So I, I need to be a better reader, honestly. Like I love to do that, but I need to, um, to be better at that. (laughs) But, um, what I, what I really like to read is, um, so Michelle Obama, you know, I, I love her book. Her book is phenomenal and just, you know, where she started in her life, where she is today and what she's doing to make a greater impact on the world. You know, that's definitely a top one. Um, Brene Brown, she's also very good. Have you heard of her? Yeah. Gabby Love. Yeah. I, I, (laughs) yeah yeah she's definitely one of my tops and that's actually currently what I'm reading now um you know so there's that one um gosh what else do I have I have read the Rachel Hollis ones they're okay they're a bit cliche for me um but but they're still good they still have a good message at the end of the day um so those are okay but definitely um probably more of the Brene Brown would be like my my number one and Michelle Obama of course you can never go wrong with that um but really you know what I like to do when I'm looking um through books is looking at leaders you know and hearing their story and reading the nonfiction. um I think that that's huge I know there's um a um, yeah, I, I think that's probably where I'm at with those books, but I definitely need to, to get more into that. <laughs> What's your number one by Brene Brown? Daring Greatly. Right. Yeah. Nice choice. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a fabulous book. So, um, so yeah, thanks for asking that. I also wanted to ask, so you mentioned, so this may be a personal question, um, so feel free just yeah. to share whatever you would like to share, but you also mentioned yeah. that you enjoy attending church. And I think yeah. that um, in terms of thinking about health and well-being, that this could be something yeah. that has supported your health. So um, I wondered what's the, the biggest thing that you gain from church attendance? Yeah. So I think for me, for the church, it's really, it's really that community impact. Um, Like, especially here in Kenya, um, everything at the church, you know, the community happens at the church. And so that's where it's not that I'm necessarily this religious person, but it's for really that community inspiration and to learn about the community and to learn how to serve them. And that's really what I get out of it. Um, and, you know, the churches here are also a place where people gather, you know, where you'll have um, a, a speaker come actually. And so this is something I've really wanted to engage with and offer my services to educate this huge community. I mean, the churches are full here where I could educate about nutrition and health and wellness. So that's the number one reason that I go um, to churches for that community um, and really getting to understand them and how I can have a bigger impact. Um, But also there's this sense of you know, when you're having the music, um, especially in the Kenyan culture and dancing and things like this, it's like, you know, this stress-free zone, it's fun, it's entertaining, it's a very positive environment, um, and just allows you that time to reflect on your life, and I just appreciate that, like, forced uh, reflection time once every week, where I can just be there to my thoughts and reflections, um, and just, you know, ch- kind of check in with myself. So I would say that that's the biggest thing that that church has done for me. 
That's amazing. And I totally agree. I don't think you have to be strictly religious to benefit from yeah. things like that. And the reason I ask is that my partner identifies as Christian and we're considering going to church services out here in Bali. And I've never been. I wouldn't call myself you know, religious in any way. But I think that sort of spiritual dimension and that community yeah. and the music and the self-reflection. Again, you know, yeah. why wouldn't you? You benefit from that. So I think that's really yeah. great. And it's nice to hear that you're sort of considering how you might be able to make an impact in that community as well. Yeah, thank you. I definitely agree. Like that spiritual piece is is definitely key for me. Like I said, it's not about I'm Catholic, I must go, you know, because I'm Christian as well. I'm Catholic, I must go here and, and here's why I'm doing it. It's like, no, it's, it, there's so many things that you can get out of that. So yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Awesome. Okay, one final question. I yeah. know that you're um, a bit of a traveler. Um, so what's the, the best thing about living in Kenya, do you think? Oh my gosh. I have, I love, okay. One of my favorite things is the lifestyle. Um, because living in the West, living in the U S super high paced, super stressful. I mean, it's you and your partner and you, we have three kids. And so we're both working full time. Our careers are important to us, but also we need money finances. Right. You know, so it's like running to daycare and activities and school, and you're trying to do work and you have a serious career, you know? Um, so that, that really, um, um really got to me. And I also have anxiety, which I'm very open about, you know, um, and then also the food, right? Like, so because of, I'm a dietitian, I understand the importance of cooking healthy, but I struggled with that because of the, the constraints of time. Um, and so for me living in Kenya, um, the slower pace of life and the help that I get. So I'm able to have a live-in nanny who is able to cook and clean for me. So I'm able to have more time doing the things that I love that are important to me, you know, and not just things because they need to get done. And so I'm able to live a more meaningful life that way. So that's, that's probably been one of my favorite things. Um, the other thing I would say is, is the people here. Um, it's not so materialistic like the U.S. has been, and it's more about genuinely getting to know you as a person um, and really caring, you know, like in the U.S. you're like, hi, and you just walk by. No, you're on the street. They're literally going to say, hi, how are you? How's your day? How's your family? And it's literally going to be like a 15 minute conversation, you know, and it's actually rude if you would say hi and just like keep walking, you know, so I just appreciate that ability to connect more with humans, um, you know, so, so that's really, really important to me. Um, and then the food, you know, having all this fresh produce and this fresh food, you know, being able to eat a more plant-based diet has just impacted me so much just in my health and wellness, just how I feel, um, just eating fresh food, you know, um, and, and all the sun, I tell you that that does something for my mental health as well. I lived in Minnesota where it was like winter, I swear to God, more than 50% of the time. Um, so that, and then Finally, I love so many things about it. I think the culture, it's just amazing to see all the different cultures here and, you know, learn about them and, and really understand why they have the practices that they have. Um, that just is so, so intriguing to me. Mm. And I just think the languages are beautiful. The people mm. are beautiful. Um, and I'm just so happy to, to get my kids to, to see and be around all of this diversity. Um, you know, I think that that's only, you know, going to enrich their lives and have them have a better view of the world and of humans. 
Um, so, so those are it, but I mean, I could go on and on and on. And, you know, whenever you're an expat and you probably experience this too, you know, living in a foreign country, you just connect with all these other expats around the world. And so that has just been such an intriguing experience as well. And just hearing their story and where they've all been and what they've all learned and, you know, where their journey has taken them, you know, it's just so empowering. And I think, you know, it just connects us all and, you know, makes us realize, how similar we are as humans. You know, it's easy to sit in one country and to say, oh, you know, just especially in the US, right? Like many people just are in the US and they stay there and they don't get out. And so just, and so they, we have these conceptions about the rest of the world. And so when you get out and you, and you see the world and you meet other people, you're just able to realize how similar we are and, and um, how we all have such genuine hearts, you know, for the most part. So um, yeah, so I would say that's what I love about Kenya most. Oh, that really speaks to me. And I think I had a, a similar experience, you know, when I picked up and went traveling and experienced different cultures, my like pea brain was just like opened and, and mine was yes. gone. And, the, and I think that connection piece is huge. Um, so yeah, I feel like I definitely need to make it to Kenya at some point soon. Yes. Sounds like something that I'd really enjoy. Let me know. I'll give you all the recommendations, <laughs> all the best food spots. Yes. Yes. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I, I've had yeah such a great time with this conversation. I really hope that the listeners have taken something away. Um, so one final question, where can people find out more about you? You know, if they're interested in the work that you're doing. Yes, absolutely. So a couple places. So LinkedIn, you can just look up my name, Ashley Kibuda. That's one where they're going to, you know, find all my professional kind of stuff. Um, they can also find me on Instagram. So my Instagram handle is it's um, dot time and then spelt like the herb, right? I had to put the food pun in there. So it's time to be well, it's time to be healthy, uh, but also um, the food pun. So it's time and then the underscore. Um, so they can follow me on Instagram there, um, DM me. Uh, so those are probably the two um, best places. I'm also um, work websites and things, um, but that's a lot. So <laughs> I'll leave it at those two. Perfect. Well, I'll put all the links in the show notes so people can just click on those directly and, and learn more about you. Um, so I think that's, that's everything for now. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you so much. Have a lovely day. I hope you enjoyed that episode. If you did, feel free to share on Instagram and tag me at shannonbeer underscore. Check out the show notes to learn more about today's guest. Thanks so much for listening. Until next time. Thank you.